Blog Talk Radio. One, two, one, two, three, four. everybody. Happy October 27th. Uh, welcome back to Joe Wu Radio's The Career Expert Live. Yes, we are back after a two-week hiatus. Uh, typically, we take one week off, but we had to reshuffle some things and move some guests around. But we've got a very special guest in Mr. Peter Pasternak from Annie's Flip This House. He'll be on in about 10 minutes, but we want to get through a lot of the great stuff that we have as well. So this is an action-packed show. Uh, my name is Joe Wu, and I am the Career Expert Live. Those of you who know me, uh, I help people make transitions in careers, either from high school or college or the established professional. So look me up online, and I'm very much happy to help you in any of your career needs. So as I said, we've got Peter Pasternak coming up in a little bit, but let's get to the major news. But before we do get to the major news, I want to take a quick minute and say my condolences to uh, Mr. Joe White. Joe is America's breakthrough expert, and unfortunately and sadly, uh, Joe lost his father uh, this evening. So, Joe, our uh, thoughts and prayers are to you and your family, and the show is dedicated to your father. Uh, so, with the major news that we have, uh, so Star Wars Episode Seven trailer came out last week. Absolutely, it looks amazing. Me from a Star Wars fan, and it's kind of crazy how it crashed the internet. Um, but did you get your tickets? Uh, I know I did. For opening night, uh, Fandango crashed and many of the other sites actually crashed. So it was pretty, uh, pretty crazy. Um, so we will definitely be ready to uh, rock and roll soon with Star Wars. Uh, Vice President Joe Biden is not running in 2016, as we know. And then Dr. Ben Carson overtakes Donald Trump in the Iowa poll. Uh, but it looks like um, Trump might start to fade a little bit. But we actually have Peter calling in right now. So let's go ahead and give him uh, a buzz in. Hello, Peter. Hey, Joe. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing great. Great. Thank you so much for joining. I really, uh, really appreciate it. Uh, I'm glad to glad to be on the show and uh, have the opportunity to chat with you and your viewers. Yeah, that's great. It's uh, it's wonderful. And as I was just kind of talking to uh, to the audience here, just said you know I've really kind of admired your career and just sort of fell in love with how you approached uh, things just with your passion. And it's just amazing how you see every day, you know, with your, your slogan world building uh, continues. And I just, just love it. And uh, I think it's a, it's a wonderful thing. So, uh, so thank you for inspiring me and uh, so many other people. It's, it's a great thing. Well, I, I appreciate that. You know, I, I always say I think every person should have their own kind of um, uh, theme and kind of a, um, best practices. And so for me, um, every day my kind of bottom line is every day I try to positively affect as many people as possible. And I think everybody has to have a why so that when life gets tough, which yeah. it does for everybody at some point, they remind themselves what it is they're trying to accomplish. And so for me, it's always in you know the forefront of my mind that every day I want to positively affect as many people as I can. Right. No, I absolutely agree with you. I think that's uh, that's a wonderful thing. But I, I just loved your post from this morning. You're like, coffee meeting, lunch meeting, another radio show with Real Estate Atlanta, and then my show here. So it's an amazing schedule but you know as, as entrepreneurs know that's that's a schedule and you're pretty much working around the clock and working as hard as you can to, to make that positive impact so that's great 
It's a lifestyle. I say that all the time. You know, an entrepreneur, I think a lot of people want all of the um, benefits and they forget that, um, you know, it's it's hard. It's hard work. But um, once you realize that you have no ceiling on what you can make and the difference and no red tape, um, I, I think it's, it's inspiring. And, you know, I can't imagine uh, working for anybody but uh, myself. Right. And I, I kind of feel the same way. It's kind of once you get into that little taste of it, it's uh, it's pretty amazing. And, and you said, you know, you get past the red tape, you, you really – do what you want to be able to do and have that, have that impact on people. So that's, uh, so that's great. So, so thinking about your career, um, how did you actually get started? So I know you graduated from the university of Georgia with an undergraduate master's degree in accounting and you started price, uh, Waterhouse. Uh, but how'd you kind of get started? Just sort of, uh, go into accounting and, and things like that. So, like you said, I'm, I'm a graduate of the university of Georgia. Go dogs. I have to get that in there. Oh, of course. Um, <laughs> And so, you know, when I started at Price Waterhouse, and so many people are surprised when they hear I'm a CPA, because I always say, you know, 30 years ago I had four much, four times as this, as this much energy, and I was a little cubby hole at Price Waterhouse. It wasn't a great fit. But that being said, there's nothing better when you become an entrepreneur to understand your business than accounting. And right. so it was a great start, and um, you know, I went from the accounting world to uh, banking. I was a banker for 20 years, and you know, during that time, I got the opportunity to finance over 500 companies. I was on wow. loan committee, and you know, I got the first hand to see how people made money, how they lost money, um, and it was a really, really great, great background. And I always say, in 2004. I got in touch with my entrepreneurial side. Now, I grew up in Connecticut. My dad owned a Dunkin' Donuts and a um, fast food restaurant. And so, you know, I, when people say, why do I get up at 4 o'clock every morning, I always say, did you ever see that commercial, got to get up to make the donuts? Yep. You have no idea how true that is. Oh, and yeah. so um, I actually went to work for a client of mine. It was a commercial printing company. I had about 200 employees. There were two older gentlemen. And they gave me the opportunity to run it for six months and see if I liked it, and I did, and I bought the company. And within a year, bought six other companies, um, all of them needing printing, so it was a vertical integration. And wow. then most of the people who know my best friend and now business partner, Brian Tro, was yep. my personal trainer. Oh, and, wow. Yep, uh, Brian was, you know, 14 years younger, and we're connected on Facebook, so you, you've seen that um, – uh, yep. I'm the godfather of his, you know, um, children. I love that. And so I said, Brian, one day we're in my uh, basement, and he tells me he wants to get into real estate. And I'm like, all right, well, at this point, again, I own seven companies. And I said, all right, we're going to get started. And, you know, we started as investors. We bought four properties. And... One of the things I realized, and actually one of the presentations I give to a lot of real estate offices, was that um, as an investor uh, dealing with realtors, they need a whole different knowledge set. There's information they need to provide yep, that's different absolutely. than if you know you're you're buying one house and selling it is um, your personal residence. And right. within a year, Brian and and I end up on national television. And so, I mean, I think, you know, when we sit back, we laugh about it, that within a year, you know, our picture, our bio and everything are on the A&E website. So, 
it was a, kind of a crazy way to get started in business together. Yeah, no, I was going to say, it was one of my questions, how did you get started on Amy's in in Swiftless House? But I, I never knew that he was actually your uh, your trainer. Um, so that's interesting. It's an interesting piece of information, but, uh, I kind of felt you had some kind of accounting background cause I could always tell, you know, I remember saying to some of my family would always sit down and watch the, you know, the show on Saturdays and I said, you know, he's just got that knack for money and you can just tell, I said, I bet she's an accountant or CPA. And then when you know, I read the bio, I was like, yeah, absolutely called it. So that's, uh, that's amazing. But that, that's gotta be neat though, you know, kind of, starting and, and getting into, you know, flipping houses and getting into real estate. So how did, how did that whole thing with Amy just start? Did they just uh, call you up or did you guys apply or? So we didn't apply. So what happened is, um, if, if you remember the history was um, the yep. show started a couple of years before Brian and I got on. And um, the first year that they were in Atlanta, it was somebody else who I'd never met. Gotcha. Um and then they had a realtor who Brian and I started to use. And um, they had problems with the first person who was on the Atlanta segment. But Annie loved the demographics of Atlanta. So they decided they were going to that season use the realtor. And I tell people that you have to understand reality TV is not 100% reality, right? Exactly. I, mean, I always laugh when people think it's, you know, uh <laughs> What you see is what you get. And right. so there are differences. Um, that first season we were shown as the investors, which we were. They were right. our houses. Um, but then at the end of that season, uh, the network called me and said, hey, you're the guy we want to be the lead character. We want you and Brian to be the leads. So oh, um, it was exciting, a little nerve-wracking uh, you know, to make that transition but um, it's, it worked out really well. Right. No, that's that's amazing. So what was it like seeing yourself for the first time on TV? I'm sure you were just like, oh, my gosh, you know, look, look at us on there. It must have been so so exhilarating to, to see that and all your hard work over the years paid off. So it was really strange. I, I think uh, the thing that was a little more difficult was not seeing on TV but hear myself speak. Have you right. ever had that where, you know, you speak and you hear yourself either uh, on a videotape or something, you go, oh, no, that's not how I sound. <laughs> yeah, I've had that <laughs> And <happen. laughs> um, you have to get used to that. I, my main concern when we got on was I wanted to make sure we got portrayed the way we really are in real life. Because right. what I said to Brian back then was, look, TV will come and go. But we've got to be ready after television, and so yeah, I didn't. You know, I didn't want to be looking as this kind of you know monster, and <laughs> right. then afterwards people are like, I don't want to do business with those people, and so um, you know I set boundaries on what I was willing and, and not. So, for example, some of the other locations, you've got one partner yelling at the other, and you know. Yep. Brian and I are 50-50 partners. I don't yell at Brian, and I wasn't willing to do that for the show. And so I just said, that's what you're looking for. You go for somebody else. That's not who I am. And so uh, a couple times they tried to push me, but, you know, I kind of reminded them that that's not what I was going to do, and we kind of moved forward from there. No, that's great that you kind of stuck your guns on that because, yeah, that, that's the thing. You know, we all know reality shows, you know, there there's there's twists to certain things and some of it's not real and they try to force some things. But that's, that's great. And that's really admirable that you really wanted to stick to your guns. And I think that's a, you know, a testament to your, your partnership with Brian as well. And I'm just just amazed seeing that on the show, how you guys really work things out and, and how it made sense. So, so what's the, 
what's the secret to that success from from your end to keep that relationship going so well? Because it seems so strong. It's amazing. So, you know, um, I get asked this a lot. Brian and I have been in business together for 10 years. We started as best friends. We're still best friends. Um, Like I said, you see I'm godfather for his children. And so I think part of it is, um, you know, just kind of speaking your truth. And so if something like bothers you is not, you know, slipping it under the rug and kind of having that pink elephant in the room. And gotcha. so, you know, for me, business is business. I'm Even though I'm high energy, I'm really very left brain. And Brian is very right brain. And so, I mean, we do communicate differently. And so, you know, we did go to a business coach when we first got started to kind of help us and and I remember one of the things we did was we took, you know, the disc profile and oh, okay. I actually yep. saved it and I still have it. Um <laughs> and you know, it didn't tell us anything we didn't know, but we still laugh about right. how how we speak and how we talk and you know, it um it, it's a good reminder whether you're in business or in personal, you know, friendships or relationships, um understanding how the other person can hear you or what they need. Um, and how you need to say something so that you get the results you desire. That's great. That's great. So when when you kind of started out, what was the fear that you had when you started out? How did you overcome it? Because you know so many times when we start out in careers or we make that leap from school or make a career transition, a lot of people just have, have so many fears. So what was one fear you had and how did you, how did you overcome it? So, I, you know, I'm not sure if I had really like a major fear Right. Um, if I had something, I would say, um, you know, I, I kind of eared on being cautious and the, you know, not wanting to make a mistake. And gotcha. I think that happens to a lot of people is, you know, you want to look good. Um, right. but as time goes on, you realize that if you don't make mistakes then you're not pushing yourself and yep. doing things that you need in order to, you know, get more successful and get better at what you're doing. And so, you know, mistake is better than to me doing nothing. Right. Yeah, that's that's a that's a huge point because I know coming from myself 20 years in corporate America and it's like people say, "Oh yeah, you know, it's okay to break things, make mistakes." And then you you make a mistake or you do something, you try something and then you get hammered. People are like, "What are you doing? Why'd you do that?" And then it's amazing now, like the entrepreneurship, it's like, oh, I just love making mistakes. Let me try to break this or let me try this way. You know, for example, simple Facebook ad or let me let me try <laughs> speaking here, or trying to reach out to this network or this community. And it doesn't work. And you say, OK, that didn't work. What's the next way? What's the next path for us? So I, I think that's absolutely it's a great point and, and so key for entrepreneurs to really understand. Well, so. and take it a step further. I think the other thing you realize is that when you have other people that work for you, you have to um, set the environment that uh, empowers them to make decisions and that when something doesn't work, you know, you're not going down their throat. So then right. you know, they're afraid to make other decisions going forward, but instead use that as a learning experience. And what you're talking about is anytime you do something, take a step backwards, figure out yep. what needs to be tweaked and get better, but understand that's just a part of the process. Gotcha. No, that's awesome. So, so you've been celebrating now five years with the Real Estate Connections in Atlanta. Can you give our listeners a little bit of info? I know it's a networking group for uh, real estate folks in the community in Atlanta. Can you give our, our listeners a little bit of a taste of what that is? And uh, you've, you've been going at it five years, so congratulations on that. I think that's amazing. And what's the secret to that great networking event to keep it going after five years? 
So here's just a little of a history. So most people who know me know that I'm out in the community. I network a lot. I love, you know, putting people together. And I was going to a lot of events. And, you know, I would take a look around the room, Joe, and there weren't that many people I could do business with because it was so – people were so general. And so right. one of the beauties of being an entrepreneur is if you don't see what you want, you create it. So I decided to create a networking event, and it's called, of course, Real Estate Connections. And the premise is everybody in that room touches or provides services for a home. So, you know, last month, which was our five-year anniversary, we had 350 people. And oh, so, wow. you know, the people in the room, and we typically get 250 to 300 people every month. And we have not missed a month in five years, and that's something I'm that's really awesome. proud of. Um, but so the makeup of the room is you have realtors, you've got banks and mortgage companies, you have investors, you have real estate attorneys, contractors. And so for people who are trying to build a team, whether you're a realtor and you want people to look at you and say, um, you know, when they need something, I need an electrician, I need a plumber, I need a contractor, you've met people who you're able to put in your database. And, um, you know, I think part of the success is my goal is each month 25% of the room are new people. I mean, you've got to get new blood in there yep. all the time. Absolutely. And so um, it's still good to see people you know, but there has to be that new freshness. And right. I think part of the success is the people, the quality of the people that come are people who want to meet other people. So it's easy. You know, it, some people are not outgoing or it's a little challenging. And so, you know, I, there's some events you go to and it's like, oh, my gosh, everybody's their body language is very close. It's hard right. to make conversation, whereas in Real Estate Connections, people know that everybody's there and they want to do business. Um, I think the other part is, you know, you always hear me talk about the importance of surrounding yourself with positive, like-minded people. Yep. And especially when the economy was bad, I think people just wanted to be reassured that everything was going to be okay and that, right. you know, it was, you know, you think about there were more millionaires made during the Depression than any other time. So yep. when you focus not on all the bad things but the opportunities, you realize that there's a lot of good things, but you got to surround yourself with other people who believe that. And so I think people came to Real Estate Connections knowing that was going to be a safe place of finding other people who, you know, were like-minded with that. That's great. And, and I, you know, I just love to see the pictures every month. I'm like, wow, I'm like, it's just, it just seems like an amazing event and people are smiling. You can see they're, they're really into it and they're networking. And, you know, I've been to a lot of, you know, business chamber meetings, small business chamber meetings up my way. And, you know, I see them start out very strong and then they kind of fizzle so quickly, but you see the same people. And I think the one point that you brought up that's really key that I've been really trying to communicate too is you got to bring in new blood consistently because you got to bring in some new people. And, you know, you go to the event a couple months in a row, you see the same people saying the same thing and nobody knew is coming in. It, it's basically almost the same event. You know, it's some, something a little bit different, but that's always been a little frustrating for me, but that's, that's a great point is bringing in the new blood and, and trying to get people in the door to come in and, and network. But that's, that's great. So congratulations on that. That's an amazing thing. Thank you. Uh, it's something I'm thing. very passionate about. I'm very proud of the uh, event. 
Yeah, and you, you can absolutely uh, see it. It's it's amazing. So I know you mentioned about you know with the, with the market crashing too, and, and I know it seems like you know I've been uh, in the mortgage business a little bit my myself, and I know when the market crashed, many people left, you know, agents and, and mortgage officers, and I, I'm starting to see a lot of people uh, jump in again. And there's so many real estate agents, you know, jumping in. Have you kind of seen the same trends, and and do you see it that people just continuing to kind of jump back into real estate now, or what's sort of the pattern and trend you've seen? Well, I, I mean, I, I do see that same trend. You know, it was interesting. Why well, You heard me say I was a banker for 20 years. And right. one of the things we used to talk about before we lend money was um, taking a look at how long somebody had been in business because you knew that history repeats itself and it's cyclical. And you want to know who are the people that were able to tweak and adjust to make it through the hard times. And so you have the same thing here. You've got a lot of people coming in, whether it's realtors, mortgage people, investors, you know, kind of fill in the blank. But, you know, it's always it, – it's not until things get tough that you really see who's committed and who's got right. the energy um, versus the people that only want to be in there for the good and, and um, they won't be there in the long run. Yeah, because I've seen that too. Where I've, you know, as I said, working in in the mortgage industry, you, you work with some agents, and you kind of see, okay, they're not really there. They don't follow up on calls, or they're they're slow in responding. And, and I get things happen, but I, I see that a lot, and I just you can kind of tell that they just seem to just be there, and they just they don't have the passion or the drive, and 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 that's where I have to, like you said, surround yourself with good people and positive people. I just have to say, okay, you know, put their business card, unfortunately, in the trash, you know, because it's it's something where you know, I want to get good people and really provide a good service and things like that. So I, I hear you on that. You know, I think the other part, and, you know, I I teach a class on LinkedIn and how to use your database to, you right. know, um, grow. And one of the things I talk about is I think a lot of people make mistakes when they go to networking events um, that they try to sell right when they meet. And I always talk <laughs> about, um, you know, my goal when I go to any networking event is to find five people that I have a polite conversation with and then my follow-up is reaching out to them and tell them I'm going to to meet for a cup of coffee and to find out how we can help one another. And, right. you know, in any relationship, it takes a while. People do business with people that they like and trust. And so, right. you know, if you're looking for instant gratification, going to an event and trying to close something that evening, you know, I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but it's the exception in your success rate is a lot higher when you kind of take things slow, get to know the person, see what they're about, why are they doing what they're doing, to see if that's somebody that you really want to do business with. Yeah, that's, that's a great point. And I've seen that so many times, too. It's like as soon as you walk in the door, people are sizing up like, oh, maybe I can sell this person this or and this person that. And I've gone to a couple of networking events. And you know, it's really all about just sort of meeting people, connecting with people, how you can help them. And then all of a sudden, the person is trying to pitch their thing to you and they have their pitch down. And you could just tell it's like this this polished sort of you know two-minute pitch or elevator pitch, whatever it is. And it, to me, it kind of turns me off a little bit because it's like I, I like to network with you a little bit, get to know you a little bit, and sort of you know have that courtship to see you know if we can we can work together and, and help each other out. And, and you know that's that's I really think the way it should be. But that's that's a great point too. And it's I see it more and more. You know, even even at like job fairs and career fairs, even with people kind of stepping into it. You know, young kids coming out of school right away. It's like they're basically asking for the job. And I, I like the aggressiveness and assertiveness, but. It seems like people are ready just to kind of do the pitch and that's it, and then they get that instant gratification. So it's a big thing that's that I see. Yes, 
Yeah, and and it's really about understanding you're trying to develop a long-term relationship with someone, right. not something that, you know, you're trying to get a quick transaction sale. And, and once you realize what your objective is, it just changes how things are. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think the, the sky's really the limit there. You know, you really create long-term relationships, and that's, I think, what it's all about because they're going to be your best partners, you know, affiliate, you know, people, and, and even, you know, down the road, they could be great referrals for your business, you know, especially if you have that long-term you know, partnership and you're helping each other out. And I agree with you. Yeah, so that's good stuff. So what's one piece of information um, you can share with our listeners that can help them be successful right away? Like if you had one, one sort of nugget of information you could share that it's your top thing to I be think successful. I think it's really important to be consistent with whatever it is you're trying to accomplish. You know, it's interesting. You hear me say I'm up every morning at 4 a.m. And, right. you know, between 4 and 7, I run my business. I do things. And there's some people that think I'm really smart. Now, I'm not. Joe, if you share that with anybody, I'm going to have to kill you. You understand that. But <laughs> gotcha. I won't. <laughs> here's what I am good at. I have certain processes and things I do every day. And I think to be successful, it's, understanding the consistency you need. And, you know, I, I have the opportunity to mentor quite a few people. And I, I remember meeting about a month ago, I met this gentleman. You can tell he worked out quite a bit. And he started by saying that he found routines boring. So, wow. you know, I didn't let that go. And so yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm just listening to him. I said, so I've got a question. You know, I can tell it looks to me like you go to the gym fairly often. Yes? He goes, well, of course. And I said, and how many days a week you go? And he goes, like, sit five or six. And I said, so do you have a routine that you do in the gym? I mean, you just don't go in and just, you know, lift some weights without knowing, you know, one day might be legs, one day, you know, arms, whatever. He goes, well, of course. I said, so see, you really do like a routine. It's that <laughs> right. you don't want a routine for your business because you don't want to be held accountable. Oh, that's and, beautiful. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> and love he that. turned red and he goes, you got me. And, and, yeah. and that's what I find. A lot of people don't want to be consistent because they don't want to be held accountable. Yep. And once people can acknowledge that and they get some type of – either, you know, um, accountability partner or a mentor or somebody who's going to help them. But that's what I would say the key that's helped me is just being consistent in, you know, what I do and and, and, be, and do it with a purpose and conscious of why I'm doing it. Yeah, no, that's absolutely, that's absolutely right. And, and that's what I hear from so many successful people is they're, they're up so early and, and, you know, I've been doing that a lot lately too, getting consistent with that, really trying to get up like around that time, like the four o'clock time frame, and just, you know, beat people to the punch and just get, get the routine going, get through emails, get through a lot of stuff. So really once you hit the day running, you're networking with people, you're out there during the day. And I see so many people, you know, not getting in that consistent routine. And, and, you know, even when I was in corporate America, I would always be the first one in. I'm like, I want to get in by 6.30 in the morning, you know, barring a, a long commute or something and get in there, read my emails, get my day properly set up. And, and that way I'm out there, you know, in meetings, I'm networking, I'm really kind of getting stuff done instead of sort of reacting to things. But that's, that's a great point of being consistent. I love that. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah. And, and like I said, once you see the success, it's not that you're lucky. You know, I always kind of laugh right. when people say well, you're lucky. No, you're consistent and it's the hard work. You just make it look easy. Yep. And yep. so um, it, it's a good thing to remember. 
That's awesome. That's awesome. So I got one last question for you before I uh, I let you go here, and I really appreciate your time today. This has just been wonderful to learn a lot about you and, and get some great information. So um, my my last question for you is: so you're sitting down at a table, and right across from you uh, sits your younger self. What would you say to your younger self? I would say remember the most important thing is helping others and that yep. when you help others, um, you it, it comes back and it's karma. And people remember you for how you make them feel versus what you did uh, later in, in life. And so I think it's, it's the ability to don't lose focus that when you help others, that's really where it starts. And when you do that, at some point, you're going to be very successful. Oh, that's great. I love that. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much. I, I really appreciate this. This was a wonderful time to spend with you and get to know you a little bit more. And, and thank you so much for sharing all your information. I know you're you're busy. You're out there uh, doing the world building. So it's uh, it, it's amazing stuff. So thank you again. Thanks for having me on, Joe. I appreciate it. And uh, yeah. good luck to you and keep keep doing all the good things you're doing. Thanks so much, and I'll definitely talk to you soon. i got to get down to Atlanta sometime soon, so when I do, uh, I'll be taking out the lunch, I'm sure. So we'll, we'll network. <laughs> be great. Sounds great. You have a great evening. Take care. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Yep, bye-bye. All right, everybody. That was Peter Pasternak. Uh, amazing stuff. So Peter actually joined us just a little early, so I didn't get a chance to kind of go through the uh, the bio, but that's okay. Peter is a wonderful wonderful person. You can hear the energy and hear his passion for helping people. And that's, um, that's really what came through. I think, um, just a consistent approach to things and just being there to, to help people and not sort of shove sales down people's throats. And I think when you, you know, when you look back to the flip this house episodes on A&E, you could see that he was very tough, stern, but he was also very, very fair and, you know, very amicable to work with. And, you know, that was the true thing was how to provide a service and how to create a beautiful home and, and, restore homes. So that's, uh, that's awesome stuff. So again, thank you, uh, Peter Pasternak. I really appreciate it. So let's get into um, the news on the job cuts. We've got a lot of information here. So we talked about the major news about Star Wars Episode 7, Vice President Joe Biden uh, not running now, and Dr. Ben Carson's taking the Iowa lead from Donald Trump, but Trump is still leading nationally. Uh, so we've kind of gone over that, but the daily job cuts uh, from provided from dailyjobcuts.com uh, a company called Cuminus in Columbus, uh, Indiana, is to cut 2,000 jobs due to weak demands for engines. They're an engine maker, uh, so 2,000 jobs lost uh, this month. The National Journal that many of you are aware of is actually cutting 25% of its staff. Uh, it's only going to be a subscriber model now, and these were anticipated cuts uh, from the company over uh, several months of kind of working through uh, you know, some, some corporate restructuring. Uh, we've heard that GM is laying off 500 employees at its Metro Detroit plant, as it eliminates uh, a shift, State Street Corporation, about 200, 600 globally. Uh, profits have been flat for the last couple quarters, so they are looking at that range of, um, of employees to be cut. J.C. Penney in uh, headquarters in Plano, Texas, about 300 at their headquarters location. That's 9% of its headquarters jobs, and they're cutting costs as it tries to become profitable again. And J.C. Penney's really struggled over the last couple of years. I'm, I'm amazed, and I hate saying that, that uh, I'm amazed that they're still surviving with the way the world is gone, but I, I feel like they're still kind of holding on to the lifeline. Uh, it kind of reminds me of just Radio Shack just sort of going away and disappearing this year and filing for bankruptcy. And I think JCPenney, uh, potentially even Sears is, is possibly next, but uh, I think JCPenney is still going to be in trouble and they got a long way to go. And 
I just don't know what they're going to be doing, and I just don't see any changes there. Uh, we've heard that Credit Suisse is reporting job cuts. We don't have any information there, but uh, we'll continue to monitor that and see. Uh, 3M, as you know, is the sticky uh, notepad maker and all other things. About uh, 1,500 layoffs as dollar pinches overseas growth is slowing as well. So um, there's a lot of challenges with 3M. We'll continue to kind of monitor that. Uh, the Angry Birds studio. So the Angry Birds game uh, fans, uh, Angry Birds is cutting 213 jobs as it reshuffles its business. Uh, we've heard previously that ESPN was looking at some cuts. Uh, ESPN has confirmed that they are cutting 300 uh, employees uh, due to subscription decline. Uh, a company called Tata Steel, uh, 1,000 employees in Britain. There's no impact to the U.S., but we do like to kind of monitor some of the larger corporations around the world in case they do have U.S. Um, you know, jobs, but sometimes some of these uh, trends you can see pop up in the U.S. Lockheed Martin, 250 jobs uh, cut in their missile fire control business, and this is due to belt tightening, as they put it. Uh, Twitter is laying off 336. Uh, we did just see their, their earnings were posted today uh, for a 58% revenue increase, but the stock has been declining, and I think we still see trouble ahead as Twitter still tries to figure out uh, kind of what it is. You know, they've got Periscope now, which is a neat app where you can do some live broadcasting from. I think Twitter's still kind of in that phase of trying to figure out, okay, what exactly, you know, are they and really your, your up-to-date news and information? But a lot of people don't really still use it. I mean, I use it. It's great to get information, interact with celebrities or interact with people, but uh, a lot of people just don't seem to have, have really been taking to uh, to Twitter. Uh, Deutsche Bahn in German, uh, it's a German rail operator, um, is cutting 5,000 jobs, no impact to the U.S., but it's mostly in their freight division. Again, that's a major corporation in Germany. We like to kind of keep uh, perspective on what's going on in the world as well. And then lastly, Joanne Fabric is cutting 103 jobs. That's less than 1% of their workforce, but again, Joanne Fabrics has still been struggling and they're revamping their, uh, their business. So that is actually all the time we have today. Um, drop me a line or let us know on social media what you thought of the interview with Peter Pasternak. Uh, stay tuned. We're going to have amazing major guests uh, upcoming. Uh, in about two weeks, we've got Lenny DePaul from – he's the U.S. Marshal. He guarded John Gotti and was a presidential Secret Service detail. But if you saw the uh, show on Crimes Investigations channel, uh, I think it was on A&E in the beginning. It's called Manhunters. He was a head uh, U.S. Marshal. He has now retired. Just had a great conversation with him earlier in the week, and he's going to be on the show uh, two Tuesdays from now. So it's going to be an amazing show, and he's got some great information on a new show he's launching as well. Uh, so again, thank you, Peter Pasternak, for a wonderful show, and that's all the time we have tonight. Um, so I would say in Peter Pasternak's words, chop, chop, world building continues. Good night, and live amazing, everybody. Bye-bye.